Hello and welcome to Speak Your Mind, the podcast with Carla Peva. Today we will be speaking with a special guest, Mandy Land. She will be sharing her story with us. Welcome, Mandy. Tell us your story and how it started. Hi, Carla. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, okay, well, um, I was born and raised in Mississippi, down south. And um, my parents had been together, I guess, for about a year or so before they had me. And uh, they had me, and they also had my brother. Uh, we're about four years apart. And um, I was a pretty happy kid. I had what every kid wants, which is the love of a father and mother and the security of a father and mother. And um, I was pretty happy and go lucky. And um, everything would change pretty quickly for me um, around the age of five years old. one of the things that you know stand out to me to, the most is we don't realize the subconscious programs that happen whenever we're children and um, one this was one for me um, at the age of five well let me back up a little bit my mom started drinking very heavily um, she was starting to really go deeper into alcohol and like from sun up to sun down um she couldn't really do anything at that time and so she just her and my dad kind of were parting ways in their relationship and um one day she came home and um she came home very highly intoxicated um she she could barely walk Uh, She drove there, but she could barely drive, and so she came in the door, and she told my dad that she was going to take me and my brother with her, and uh, my dad said, no, you're not going to do that, and um, she proceeded to walk down the hall to pick up me and my brother. My brother was about one and a half at the time, and um, anyway, my dad kind of shoved her and said no, and then he looked at her and said, well, you can take Mandy, but you can't take my brother. Like, basically, you can't take, you can take Mandy, but you can't take my son. Yeah. And so, that was one of those moments that, you know, hit me the most, is that that was a moment that showed me how unsafe I was. And, you know, the people that raise us, you know, are supposed to be there to protect us. And that showed me immediately that I'm not protected. I'm not secure. I'm not safe. And so I just remember that and never realized how much that was in the, um, would make my whole life like based on that one point. But my parents got divorced. Uh, my dad got full custody. He was a single father. Basically he got custody because he was the more stable one. My mom just, you know, handed it to him because she did not want me and my brother to even see her in the state she was in. So I didn't really, I saw her every now and again, but not all the time. And so um, I went from this child that was just, had this secure, safe family to being taken into different uh, babysitters' homes 
So from babysitter to babysitter, and I would just stay in these people's homes. And I had one main babysitter, but at the same time, it just kept, I just kept bouncing around. And um, being so, like, so basically, um, stability was not there anymore. And, um, and basically, it was always the unknown where you stood today. It's not the same where you're going to stand tomorrow. So I provided that unbalance for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was very unbalanced, very stable, very, I mean, unstable, very rocky. Um, I just didn't know what was going to happen from one day to another. Another. My dad worked a lot. He worked at night a lot too. And so I would stay at home. I would stay with these people. And um, I remember just crying myself to sleep every night. Um, I would just cry, you know, as a little girl. Uh, five, six, seven years old, um, just, you know, felt alone and abandoned. Um, didn't have a father or mother, didn't have anyone there to just like, you know, make me feel secure and safe. Yeah, it's almost like um, what they say, um, you, the worst thing is being in a relationship where you have the relationship, but you feel lonely right so you have your parents but yet you felt very lonely and abandoned as like you didn't have them yes yes that's right it just felt like no one was around you know and I, all I wanted was I remember snuggling up to my stuffed animals and stuff but all I wanted was someone to just come in and hug me or hold me and tell me everything was going to be okay you know um and so I guess moving forward like as I grew up I started staying home alone by myself around the age of 10 or 11 um and so my dad still worked a lot and I was at home a lot by myself and my dad was either working or he was on the ball field with my brother my brother was very much into sports and so my dad was too he my, my dad coached my brother's teams so I was at home a lot alone by myself. Um, and so really anything to pick up the slack in that was, the, you know, some of the friends that I had that I really loved. But um, yeah, I just remember being, you know, by myself even then. And, and dad, I think he tried. I think that, you know, he put me, he wanted me to do sports. Sports were not my thing. Um, I wanted to do cheerleading and dance team and stuff like that, but I didn't make, I didn't make the teams. Um, and so there was just a real deep insecurity inside of myself where I just didn't feel, you know, like I could do anything right. And I realized that I always wanted to have my dad's approval and always did everything or try to do anything to just have just a moment of time with him. Um, yeah. and, you know, one of the, you know, one of the things that meant the world to me is you know the times where he'd pick me up from school and I would go and eat ice cream with him at Chick-fil-a you know like that was a moment that you know just stood out to me that he took five or ten minutes just to sit with me you know um and there were those were few and far between and he did he did pick up my friends and do stuff you know with me and my friends like at times but my dad was um also I was very scared of him um he was very abusive um, in different ways and uh, just he came from like a really hard background and so you know realizing my dad had a lot of his own pain and trauma and so 
I was just always terrified of him. You know, I was always afraid to move wrong. Literally, when I sat down at the table to eat, it was, Mandy, you know, you're you're eating too fast. Mandy, um, your hair is in your food. Mandy, I mean, it was constant, you know, to where I couldn't even breathe without him saying something or, you know. And so, anyway, I guess around the ages of, okay, so when I got to about 12, 13, you know, I started having boy crushes and things like that. Um, yeah. So 13 years old, um, I think I just turned 13 and uh, I, I started going to with my mom every other weekend. This was a time where I started seeing my mom. My mom had changed her life. She stopped drinking. She started going to church. And so I would go to church with her um, every other weekend. And I met a boy there. Okay. And he, he was also my age. And um, so I met him and got to know him a little bit. And he lived about 40, 45 minutes away from me. And I remember asking my dad, hey, is it okay if I go spend the night at his house? Like, you know, and, you know, my dad said, let me, he was hesitant, but he said, uh, let me talk to, you know, this, this boy's mom. And so, um, he talked to this boy's mom and he said, Hey, um, so the kids want to, you know, spend the night. I know y'all live far, kind of far away. So, you know, and he made a deal with this mom that she would, always be present that she would never leave the house that she would you know always keep us supervised my dad was big on supervision and you know and whenever I went and did stuff and um so she said yeah sure so you know that's what happened I went and spent the night with him and guys had popcorn watch a movie so it sounds like it's more of um uh, like puppy love, you have that crush, you're looking for just that nurturing that it's kind of missing at home, right? Right, right. And there was, it seemed like I was, there was always, you know, a hole, a hole in my heart, you know, and I just, yeah, I just had this, this puppy love, you know, and like, I was so excited to, you know, be at his house and like hang out with him and um, the next and day, he was, he was your age, right? Yes, he was also yeah. 13. Okay, um, yeah, so we sat, you know, and hung out and had fun. And it was the next day where his mom had said, I'm gonna go to the store and uh, y'all just stay in the living room and watch TV or play a game or whatever. And I was like, okay, cool, you know, like, but I was kind of, it was kind of weird because I know she had told my dad that she wouldn't leave the house, you know, that we would be supervised, but, you know, I was, I don't know, I wasn't really thinking much, but so when she left, the craziest thing was, um, it was almost like a flash moment because the next moment I was on the floor, uh, most of my clothes off um a boy doing things to me that I didn't even know existed um my body was stoic um tears coming down my face um I never consented to any of this and um I didn't even know what was happening like it was I think I was in survival mode at that point because I didn't even know what was happening 
Yeah, you went into like a, a shock state. Yes. Where you're just going with the flow, but uh, you don't really know what's going on, but you don't want to hesitate because you don't want to cause issues. It's like going back to the pattern of, you know, how your dad would get upset for anything you would do. Then you don't want to bring that into that male perspective, right? Yes, absolutely. You said that perfectly. Yes. Um, so laying there and I had no control over anything I was feeling. And um, so once that was done, I, I was in a state of shock. And um, his mom came back home. I went back home. It's crazy because I went there one girl and I came back a completely different girl. Um, and I didn't even, like I said, register what had happened. I cried a lot because I didn't understand the emotions I was having. Um, so his, so this guy called me, I think the day after, or a couple days later, and he said, um, I don't want to see you anymore. And then, you know, I'm thinking, what did I do wrong? You know, what happened, you know? (laughs) And so very confused. Um, very traumatized really and um, a week or so went by this boy's best friend called me and he said you know you could be pregnant right and immediately I said no you have to have sex to be pregnant and he said you did have sex and I was like I mean everything in me said no 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 I didn't do that you know because I was in denial you know I had shut it all down in my body system you know um a little bit of time went by and uh well I was broken hearted oh I was so I was so hurt so wounded um I called my mom and um my mom picked me up and she didn't I told her what happened um I told her not to tell my dad um she picked me up and took me to a past the, her pastor and her pastor listened, you know, to what I had to say. Never did he say anything of the sort of that I was raped or anything like that. Like, yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing until I was way in my 20s, you know? <laughs> like, um, so anyway, I talked to the pastor. It was never brought up. It was just, you know, he prayed for me, gave me some scriptures, um, tried to help me out a little bit, which I think it did help. But it didn't get to the root of really what happened, you know? And so um, I went along in life and tried to, you know, put myself back together and actually acted like nothing ever happened. Um, This boy called me again uh, about a month later and apologized and said, I'm really sorry for everything. And I believed him. I was naive. I didn't have, you know, there was no stability in my life. really and I believed him naive and young and um basically he wanted to ask me back into his life just so that he could do this again and by that time I was willing to because for some reason I associated that with love and thought oh okay so if I do this then I'm going to be loved okay makes sense right yeah Because that's the piece that was uh, missing, really, that loving, nurturing uh, 
piece of the puzzle in your life and you thought, okay, maybe I, I could get this part that it's missing from him. However, you don't even know what that is, how that feels. And you're just like wanting to, to see perhaps you will feel that and understand that. Yes, yes. And I longed for it. Like I just, all I wanted was to feel seen and heard and loved. That's all I wanted. And for some reason it is, yeah, I associated this with, okay, well, this is how I get love, you know? And so um, I did that and I went back to this guy and we had sex and, you know, this time I consented to it. Um, And then he broke it off with me again. And it happened one more time. And these, this was all a period of, I don't know, three months, four months, something like that. Yeah, I was going to say that. It sounds like months, just months here and there, here and there. Yeah, yeah. It was a period of time. And, and so after the third time this happened, I realized something inside me said, okay, this doesn't feel good. I, this hurts. I'm hurting, you know, and it hurts so badly that I, I actually, after, you know, we broke it off, he broke it off the last time, something inside me rose up and went, okay, that's enough. You know, that's enough. I'm, I don't want to be hurt like this anymore. You know, this, this is killing me. And so I, we, he broke it off and I was done after that. And I made this promise to myself and I said, okay, never again will I sleep with a person or I will never sleep with a guy again unless I he unless he's proved himself to me unless he has told me that you know or shown me that he truly is in my corner you know and yeah. has my back you know and this was my 13 year old brain you know so so basically it's like you want to make sure that the person proves that you're worthy and start the relationship first before going to the physical, treat you like, you know, what what really love is and falling in love. Because let's face it, falling in love doesn't have to be uh, physically sexual. It can be, you know, just doing things for each other, um, caring for you, being there for you, right? Right. That's right. And that's what I wanted. I've wanted that so much, you know, wanted the, I didn't even want the physical thing. I really wanted, you know, my heart to be fulfilled and their heart to be fulfilled. Like I, that's what I wanted. I wanted a relationship, you know, that was honest and loving and respectful, but, but I never saw that. Like I never had an example of that. Um, growing up, I didn't. So, um, I guess fast forward like about three three months later after I had this conversation with myself and uh, I had met some new friends um, I was really excited about meeting these new friends I was always open to meet new friends I looked at everyone as oh my gosh you could be my best friend or you could be my best friend like I just had this always I've never lost to that just loving people you know and just accepting people and getting excited about relationships with people and so I met this girl and she had asked me to come spend the night with her and I did and I was really excited I just had this big open heart and I was really excited and uh, she was having 
she told me that she might have some friends over and you know I'm thinking okay well we're gonna have like a girl party you know we're gonna have a slumber party you know that's yeah what yeah <laughs> um that's not what happened um she had about 15 20 people over guys and girls um and her dad wasn't around um and basically I had they were drinking there and I had like three or four sips of a beer maybe half of a beer and um the first time I'd ever drank or whatever um but yeah I had maybe I don't know a couple I didn't really like the taste and so I think I'd maybe had a two two or three sips of it um and the next thing I remember was the next morning where I woke up and I had two girls, one of this particular girl and another girl, this were sitting right in front of me. And they looked at me and said, do you know what you did last night? And I said, no, I don't know what I did last night. What happened? They proceeded to tell me I did all of these things that I had sex with this guy that, um, I had sex all night, that I walked around the room naked, that basically <laughs> what I didn't know that actually happened was they put something in my drink to where I didn't even know anything that happened. I had bits and pieces. It was almost like a dream in my head. It was the weirdest thing. And I just remember them telling me all of these horrific things that I did. And I just, I mean, I sat there and cried and cried and cried and said, no, no, I would not do that. I would not do that. And I, I was like, how can this be? I was, it was horrific, the things they were telling me that I did. Um, basically, I was taken advantage of this night. I was 13 and this 19 year old boy had basically treated me like a rag doll all night long while other people were watching so I was in a room full of you know with people watching while I didn't even I was basically unconscious didn't know what was going on um and so so basically you were the uh, scenery of the party yes yeah yes and I can only imagine how emotionally afterwards of knowing everything how you felt and it's like if you felt already issues with your confidence and feeling unworthy and all that after this because it was literally in front of everybody it wasn't even a private thing so yeah Yeah. i can only imagine yeah it's it's i can't even describe it it's like when you when you're told that you've done all these things that you know you wouldn't do um and then to know that somebody comes in and takes full advantage of your you know not not conscious body <laughs> you know oh my goodness and i i just felt like a spectacle and um i and you know like i said i had bits and pieces of memory in my brain of what happened And I just, I remember being in the bed and I remember, you know, somebody being on top of me and like, I I would just, I had these little pieces of memory. And so, um, anyway, once I got home, I cried for three weeks straight, day in and day out. I cried every single day. And I remember riding in the car with my dad 
and my dad saying to me, Mandy, please tell me what happened. Like, he would ask me over and over and over what happened. And I couldn't tell him. I couldn't tell him. I could not tell him the pain. I could not tell him the trauma because I had so much guilt. I thought everything was my fault. I blamed myself and I didn't, honestly, I didn't know what my dad would do. I didn't know if he'd want to go kill somebody, you know, honestly. Like, I was trying to protect myself and everybody else in the process instead of being honest and open about what happened. Um, so I called my mom again. You know, it's crazy because my mom really wasn't there for me when I was little. But the moments I needed her, she was there, you know. Yeah, I I think it's... I think it's the um, her being a woman and you being a woman um, and plus she is the, the female in your life even though she wasn't there but she's in the back of your head kind of thing the female perspective to go to yeah yeah and and I'm I'm so thankful for that and yeah so I called her and I told her I didn't even at the time I didn't even know that date rape was a thing I didn't even know that was I didn't know anything about that I just didn't understand why I did these things and didn't even have any recollection of them but had these little pieces of memory in my brain it just didn't make any sense so I basically don't know what happened um so I don't know if she just thought I got drunk or whatever which I didn't because like I said I didn't even like the taste of beer and so um It was just really weird. So my mom took me to the doctor um, and I was really judged when I went to the doctor because I guess they just thought, you know, I just was out here doing whatever because my body was not (laughs) like, you know, it should have been at 13, you know, and I just felt so judged by everyone and everything. Um, but I, I asked her to take me to the doctor and I said, I just don't know if I have any diseases. There could have been multiple people who did this to me. I don't, I don't have literally, I don't have the recollection of it. Um, I have pieces. And so, um, anyway, there could have been many. So I felt very judged, very just, I was a mess. I was a complete mess. And so the the doctor, we did that when I was fine. Um, I was, you know, everything was fine. My mom then took me again to her pastor, sat down, talked to her pastor. There's just, it's kind of funny looking on it. Not funny, but it's like, these people don't even really know what happened, you know? And I'm already feeling the shame and guilt of it all. Like I've done something wrong here, you know? And And so, um, I just blamed myself, you know? And... So went to the pastor, he prayed for me again, and we, you know, gave me some scriptures and things like that. Never delve into any of the trauma or anything. Um, so I, after that, I tried to pick myself back up again and keep going. Um, and that's whenever I made another conversation or had another conversation with myself. And that was a moment where I said, never, ever again will I be touched. I will not. Matter of fact, I'm going to really be aware of the people I'm around. I'm going to, like, it it started giving me more of a discernment about who was around me 
and I actually started being really scared of new people and I was af- I was afraid to meet new people even though I had this big old heart that loved people you know and yeah so-, so it wasn't an excitement thing anymore it no. was more like um, you had to put this uh, protection shield around you and in order to do that you would have to not embrace new people okay yes exactly and so I just kept uh, you know I just kept going along like that and um, I was even afraid to go to it's crazy because I look back on it now I just had a conversation with someone the other day where we were talking about different concerts that, that we had been to and I was so afraid to go to concerts I was afraid of drugs I was afraid of what would happen and all my friends were like, come on, let's go to these concerts. And I could not go because I was terrified. I was scared of everything. And so it's just one of those moments that I had not realized just the other day why I didn't go to the, you know, why I didn't do some things that I could have done, you know. Um, that's just well, great. Well, the, the why is because of your trauma and your fear to go back into that rabbit hole kind of thing. Yes. And you felt the need to protect yourself. And in order to protect yourself, you had to remove yourself from any opportunity that would lead towards another uh, scene, another um, chapter that would hurt you. Right? Yes. Yeah, I did not want to be hurt anymore. I didn't want to put myself in situations anymore that would, you know, I just... Yeah, so I just kept going. And And then, which age did you encounter being open again and uh, actually having friends and potentially fall in love? Well, it was the next year when I, I really wanted to fall in love. I really wanted to have a love. And it was probably around a year later I was always because I loved I had like three or four best friends that were always around me and um I loved them and they loved me and I felt safe with them um so I did have that um but I also really wanted a, a boyfriend I really you know but at the same time I was so scared to have one um so it was about a year later um where I met this guy and um oh i just liked him so 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 much but at the same time i was scared again but i i really wanted to meet him and i met him and i fell for him very hard um and you know which is surprising with everything that happened but i did i fell for him very hard but i told him right away i just looked at him and said hey if you are wanting sex you are with the wrong girl and i told him you will not touch me until i know that you are real and honest and that you you know are showing me that you really truly care for me and i'm not going to be abused again you know (laughs) so um, yeah for sure mm -hmm. so i told him i was like i'm just not i'm not doing that so you can go away if that's what you're looking for um and he didn't go away he you know i think he respected that with me um 
And so I guess, I mean, we went along for and got closer and we got, we went, we were together four or five months before, you know, I gave myself to him. And when I gave myself to him, it was the first time that I actually felt loved because he put on a really beautiful, loving song and we had sex and we made love to that. And it was a beautiful moment, like for me, because it was the first time the very first time that I felt <clears throat> loved, I guess. And like, this is, this is safe and this is okay. You know? Yeah. I think it's going back into that, um, you know, the foundation that we spoke about, um, you know, him nurturing the relationship, not forcing anything on you. Um, I think that's what made you like fall in love with, each other because there's that uh, trust and respect and then when the day came it became a very special day and most likely it was like romantic with you which brought that you know excitement and understanding and feeling what love is all about yes yes and it really was and I, I and matter of fact, I even remember when I said, when I told him I was ready, he said, are you sure? Like he wanted to make sure I was, I was ready, you know? Um, and so it was, it was very beautiful. And you should be very proud of yourself. The fact that this time you promised you stuck to your guns and, um, you know, you actually knew for sure this time you warned him and he was accepted. And um, looking back, you should be very proud of yourself because you stuck to it. And it took five months before anything happened. Ah, yes. Thank you for saying that. I, I am like, I, I just saw the whole picture when you said that, you know, cause I was determined, you know, not to go back through what I did again, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And so we were together for, a, a long time and um he would come and spend the night at my house and um he sp because my dad was working my dad did not know he was I don't think my dad knew he was spending the night but he spent the night with me just about every night my dad was gone which just gave me such a place of security he was a security for me at that time because I, you know, I just was alone a lot, you know, I mean, I had my friend, you know, some of my friends, but I was alone a lot. And so that just, uh, I just can't describe what an amazing time that was for me. And he would, you know, he would leave before my dad got home. So it was kind of, and then I would go to school and, you know, I, we just kept doing that for uh, a few months. Um, and we hung out with my friends. Now my friends didn't like him. My friends, um, you know, wanted him to treat me better. Um, but, and then basically it was the fact that I, I still didn't, there was parts of me that still didn't know my worth and my value. And I would just let things slide a lot. And, you know, I would basically, he became an addiction for me. Um, mm. because he would say jump and I would say, how high do you want me to jump? You know, like I would just drop everything for him, uh, including my friends. And so it was, uh, it was kind of, it was unhealthy because of all of that. So it was, it, it, yeah. it, it was, sounds, it sounds a little bit scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was not, it was not healthy and it was scary. Very scary. I was always afraid he was going to leave me or afraid he was going to cheat on me. 
or, you know, I was, I was just not, you know, I don't know. I just wasn't real. I wasn't real happy, but it was the only thing, you know, had the word love on it, you know, or for me anyways, at the time. Um, so I guess about three months later, um, my dad had this rule where I would never get in the car with a teenager who was driving. He never wanted me to be, you know, with someone who was, you know, under, I don't know. He wanted me to be with parents, you know, never a child. Um, Yeah, responsible individuals. Yes, yes. And so um, one day I lied to my dad and I told him that I was going to go to the mall with a girlfriend and her mother. And he was like, okay, fine. Well, I'll see you, you know, when I see you. And so, um, I didn't do that. I got in the car with my boyfriend, two of my girlfriends and their boyfriends. So there were three boys, teenage boys and three teenage girls in the car. We just had the best day. We rode around, had fun, turned up the music, riding along. It was, it was so much fun. I enjoyed that. And I was 14, 15, uh, yeah, about 14 and a half at the time. And I was just like, I don't know, I was just really enjoying it, you know? And um, when, when I got back home a few hours later, my dad was not supposed to be home or he told me he wasn't going to be home. And when we drove up, I saw his truck and I went, oh shit, oh my God, this is not good. I'm in so much trouble. Like I was terrified. And my dad walked up to the car and he looked at me with the evilest look in his face. And he said, come here, I have something for you. And he said, I want your friends to come too. So we walked back down to our apartment complex. Um, He walked up the stairs, he grabbed his belt. And he walked back down the stairs into the parking lot where my friends were standing. And um, all of my friends gathered and anybody who was in the apartment complex who was outside at the time was watching this and anybody who were looking out the window was watching this and my dad proceeded to to whip me in front of my friends um he whipped me probably five or six seven times on my butt with a belt in front of what seemed to me like the world was watching Um, and then he looked at my boyfriend and he said, this one is for you. And then he hit me really, really hard. Um, humiliation is an understatement. (laughs) Um, just, I, it was almost like I was outside of my body at the time because I could not believe any of this was happening. You know, um, I was mortified and hurt not only physically hurt but mentally and emotionally hurt deeply and um, as soon as that happened um i ran to a friend of mine's house which was in another apartment complex in the in that area and i i said can i please use your phone and i was hyperventilating and i was crying so hard and i called my mom And my mom answered and I told her what happened and she said, I'm on my way. So my mom picked me up and she brought me to her house. And I 
did not want to look at my dad like ever again is what I thought you know um my mom was livid she was really really upset um and so she uh told me I could live with her I didn't even want to go back to my 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 dad's house to even get my stuff I just I, I just it I didn't even I was so scared you know and so um I was afraid to look at him I was afraid to be around him and uh I was living and so I started living with my mom and my stepdad at the time what I didn't know is that a week after I had been with my mom and my stepdad I found out I was pregnant so I was pregnant at the time my dad was whipping me um had no I had no idea I was pregnant we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back hello have you heard about deals of flames candles well let me tell you their collection is absolutely amazing their candles is made with crystals and provide a very beautiful fragrance they do have a love candle protection welt and energy so check out dealsofflames.com and order your candle today online because their vision is to make sure you are loved protected wealthy and fueled with positive energies in all levels of your life let's face it candles are a universal symbol of light warmth and hope so don't forget order your candle today back with Mandy's story it just it I mean I went from one life to a whole different life in a short amount of time I started going to a new school I was pregnant I was the only person pregnant in the school I was in 10th grade um I you know people did not you know some people wanted to be friends with me other people really didn't um it, you know I was very judged It was a very weird situation. I just felt really off, you know, going into a whole new life and very scared and didn't know what was coming, you know, or how this was going to play out basically. Um, and I wasn't even though my mom I could always call on her like this. I wasn't close to her. We didn't have a a close relationship. I always wanted to be close to my mom, but I never ever felt like I could just curl up to her and she would hold me and say, "Hey, I love you and and everything's going to be okay." She was she my mom's never been a cuddly loving nurt she wasn't nurturing, but in some but in some point she was nurturing. Um it's yeah. really weird. She was there like I said, she was there and present when I needed her, you know. You know, it's like um when when you're a mom and you have two to three children or more um each one of them will show you their nurturing in a different way so there's um the love where it's affection kissing hugging and there's the other love where uh let me wash the dishes for you or oh, you need medication let me go get it for you or oh, you need something clean let me do it for you so there's the the emotional love and there's the physical 
love to do things and care for you, right? Yes. yes. Thank you for pointing that out because there is an emotional love that I think all children or all people in general just really want. And, you know, saying all of this, I realize I have not been a perfect parent and I don't think there is a perfect parent. You know, there's no such thing. We're all learning and growing, you know, um, doing the best we can over here, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that's probably what I always wanted and longed for was that emotional support that I didn't have mm -hmm. from either parent, you know, and, yeah. um, and so the other support was there, but not that support. Um, which makes so much sense with what, you know, what I'm about to talk about. But, um, anyway, so I stayed with my mom and lived there. She said I could, you know, keep the baby. I had to keep my pregnancy a secret from my dad because back then the law was you could have an abortion, but you could not have it past the three month, uh, three month, um, being pregnant for three months. And so, um, once you hit that three month mark, you could not have an abortion. That was the law back then. Um, and so I had to hold my pregnancy for three months and, and, and not, you know, tell anyone, especially my dad, because he would have made me go get an abortion and I didn't want to have an abortion. I wanted to keep my baby. Um, so, um, I had the baby. Um, I was still with the same boyfriend. Um, I knew that somewhere inside of me, I knew that I would not be with him forever. Um, I gave my, I gave the baby I had my name instead of his. I just knew deep down that the relationship I had with him was toxic and wasn't healthy. Um, but we, we just went along and, um, I guess when my baby was nine months old, my mom, I, well, I, dropped, I had dropped out of school because it just got to be way too much uh, for me to work and go to school and raise a baby. It was just too much. So I just worked. So when my baby was nine months old, me and my mom had a really big falling out. And, you know, she had it. I had it. It just, it wasn't good. Um, it just got to where it just wasn't good at all. And I called, crazy thing is, I called my dad. I went to see my dad and my dad, I had already seen my dad a couple of times because he came to the house to see my newborn baby and he loved the baby and he told me he would. Um, so those things kind of got mended, you know, with my dad a little bit um, during that time. So I called my dad. My dad said, yes, you can come back and live with me. And honestly, I think my dad was trying to make up for some things that he did and um, he bought a house for specifically for me and my baby. Um, for him, my brother, my baby, and me, we all had a house together. And it was a decent sized house to where I had my own room. My baby had her own room. My daughter, I mean, my daughter had my own, her own room. My dad and my brother, they had their own rooms. Um, and so we just, it, it actually worked. It really worked. I worked full time. My dad helped me with the child, my baby girl. Um, he would pick her up from daycare. He would buy her diapers. He did all of these things. I think I really think he was trying to make up for some things. Um, and so I think I was really thankful and grateful for my dad during this time. And, um, I just realized how 
my emotional state, I was very unhappy and just in a toxic relationship on again, off again, on again, off again. It just wasn't good. And I just didn't feel right. I didn't feel good. And I knew that there had to be a change. I had to change if I wanted, and I still had all this pain and trauma inside that I didn't even know what to do with. And so I started going to a church and um, gave my life to God, you know, did, did all the things that, you know, I was told to do to, to be loved, you know, and um, to be really loved because I was just a mess. I was a mess of a person. Um, so I started going to church and thankfully I had a group of people that surrounded me and really supported me. And I told them I need, I need to break up with this guy that I'm with. Um, he's an addiction for me. It's not a good relationship and it's, it's killing me. It's literally killing my insides to be in this relationship. And, um, so they supported me and loved me. I called the guy and told him, I'm not going to be seeing you anymore. We're not going to do on again, off again anymore. I'm not doing this. Um, and I just basically did that and made that decision. And, you know, within two months, two months later, which is the craziest thing, two months later, I met my husband. Um, and that was through the church as well? Yeah, well, he um, he was best friends with with the with another person at the church, and um, the the guy that I was I, and this guy literally came in and just became my friend. And this was not my husband. This was my husband's best friend, which is crazy. But this guy said, "Hey, we I'm we're in a band and we practice every." Friday or Saturday night and you should come because we just hang out and have fun and it's uh it's pure it's enjoyable it's it's nothing crazy and I I trusted that I trusted these people which you know was good because they they were amazing um and um I said okay I'll I'll come I'll come see your band play like I I would thought that was the most exciting thing ever because I've always loved music and so when I went to see the band play that Friday night, I remember walking down the stairs and my husband was sitting on the drum set, like he's a drummer. And he was behind the drum set. And when I took one look at him, I, it scared the holy shit out of me. I, it scared me so bad to, to feel what I felt when I looked at him. And I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no, I'm gonna go down this bad road again. I'm going to be in a toxic relationship again. I'm going to, you know, like all of those things just flooded my mind. And I just remember like walking down and seeing him and I walked right back up the stairs, went to the bathroom and talked to myself, you know, and I was like, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God, please don't let me go down a bad place again. Don't let me get into a bad abusive relationship again. I was so scared. I was afraid of myself. I was afraid of my feelings. Um, but I, I walked back down there and hung out with him. And that very first night, um, I brought my daughter with me and she was two at the, uh, she was a year and a half at the time. And I brought her with me and he immediately thought I was married because I had a child. Um, I remember when I met him, my daughter looked up at him and called him daddy. 
Um, oh, wow. Yeah. That, that very first night, he looked at me and he said, what did she just say? And I said, she didn't say anything. She didn't say anything. Like I was so, I didn't, I was so embarrassed. Um, and I, I like grabbed her hand. I went to another room, but it's crazy how children are so in tune, you know, with what's going on and they are so sensitive to, I, it just blows my mind because she felt a connection with him right away. And she didn't even, she wasn't even calling her own father, daddy, when she barely saw him. Like she, we, I don't think she had seen him in four or five months. Um, and so she, yeah, she called my, my husband, daddy that night. And, um, I got to know him and we, I just told him right off the bat, I just got out of a horrible, not, I mean, like, wasn't, I didn't say horrible. It was more like a very toxic relationship that just wasn't good for either one of us. And it wasn't good for me. And I don't want, I don't, I'm not looking for anything. I'm not looking for a relationship. I just want to get to know you. I just want to be friends. And he was like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's totally cool. Um, so we got to be friends for several months and just hung out together all the time and did stuff together and went to, you know, just, it was so much fun. That was such a moment. It was just so much fun in my life. Um, yeah, we just did everything together. I was his person and he was mine. And, you know, we just went about like life, like we were just best friends and did stuff together. And, um, so after that, we, I guess we, we had started having sex, like, I don't know, three, no, it was about eight months later, I believe. And he had never had sex with a girl before. Um, he hadn't had sex, he hadn't had sex, period. And, but I, you know, it was crazy for me because I thought, oh no, I'm going to mess him up, you know? <laughs> like, but he tells me it was the best, one of the best experiences in his life. But, um, anyways, we were going, we were still going to the church at the time. Um, and before we even got to the place of being physical, I remember us bringing it, this to the pastor. We said, hey, we asked the pastor if he would marry us. And um, this was before we even had sex because we wanted to be pure in God's eyes because that's what I was taught is that it's sin if you have sex before marriage, which, you know, I don't believe that anymore. But, like, we went to the pastor. We asked him if he'd marry us. Um, he basically, my husband was 16 at the time and I was 17. And he basically told us, how are you going to support her? And how are you going to have a family? How are you going to do this? And how are you going to do that? You know, we were young and dumb, so we didn't even think about things like that. Um, and it, we came out of that office pretty depressed. Um, we were pretty down because we were so excited that we wanted to be together forever. You know? Um, so basically, I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was so just disappointing, you know? And came out of the office and that we we hung out more and we were together more and we were each other's everything and um I told him all about my life I told him the things I'd done I told him the things I'd went through I was very open about everything um he was very my husband was very is is very stable and just loved me no matter what messed up stuff was in my past he just loved me you know um 
he saw me. He could see who I am and he could see the heart that I have. And so, and I love that. Um, so we, we began having sex and shortly after I got pregnant. Um, I didn't know I was pregnant before he proposed. So we, he proposed first, then we found out I was pregnant. And so we had our second, we got married, we had our second child and all in one year. So all in one year, he adopted my daughter at two years old. We had a baby and got married all in one year. Wow, a lot of like uh, fast track. Yes. Everything is like fast, fast, fast. <laughs> it was very fast. Um, but in a good way, at least. At least it was um, good things, positive things, blessings, and uh, which that's what I think, uh, you know, God does everything for a reason. And uh, he came into your life. It, it's kind of like um, saving you from any other hurts falling into the wrong hands again that's the way i look at it i do too and it's funny because i often i often say that um the person if i'm looking back over the childhood part of my life there was one person in my life that loved me and saw me and it was my grandmother and she passed away when i was nine and she actually on her deathbed told my mom how special I was and she said nurture her heart because she has a heart Mandy has a, a heart of gold and she loves people and in life so much well it brings tears to my eyes because that woman saw me she loved me and I swear to you I feel like she's been with me ever since I know she passed over and went to the next life but I swear she's been with me every day And I, ha I have this feeling that she had a big hand, and I don't even know if that's true, but for me it's true that she had a big hand in picking the man that I would be with forever. Um, she loved me so much, and she told everybody how big my heart was, and, and she told my mom, don't shut her down, nurture that heart. She was, she told my mom, the world needs a heart like that. And, um, just very special, very special. But I feel like she had a hand in picking out the husband or the man that would be stable for me, you know? Um, so anyway, um, my husband and I, after that, we had our third child. So here we are, young, married. We had our third child and three girls. And, you know, we were not, we didn't have much money. Um, my, I told my, I told my husband right off the, uh, right off the bat, I told him when we first got married, I said, I do not want to work. I don't care how hard we had them. I don't care what financial problems we have. I'm not going to work because I always want to make sure that if my girls call out for their mama, their mama is there. And I knew what it was like not to have a parent present. And I wanted to always be present for them. Um, I was just gonna say that. I think it's because you didn't have that. You wanted to uh, be different and bring the difference that you didn't have to your children. 
I mean, and I look back on it and I wasn't, you know, there was, of course you do as a parent, you think, gosh, I could have done this differently. And, you know, or, you know, me now, where I am now, I would have nurtured them better or, you know, whatever. And, but I do that now for them. Um, but, but I do see that I chose that. I said, no, my kids will know I'm always, always there. They will never question if a parent loves them or not. You know, <laughs> like I just wanted them to always know. So about three years into our marriage, I looked at my husband one day. We were having an argument. And um, and remember, I had all of this pain and trauma and we were having an argument. It seemed like every argument we had or any time we didn't get along or anything like that, I would just look at him and I would say, okay, so it's over, we're just done. And he would always be like, no, we're not over and it's not done, we're just having, we're, we're needing to get through this. Like, we're, this is just a conversation. We are, yes, it's heated and yes, we're arguing and yes, we're fighting, but no, it's not over. You know, I had this thing in my head where it's just done, you know? Um, I remember him shaking me at times and just, you know, he one time he put his hands on my shoulders and he'd say, I'm not this person that hurt you and I'm not that person that hurt you and stop putting me in this position because I'm not them, you know? And, um, and he was right, you know, he was right. And I needed that. Um, but I remember this one conversation we had, which would set the tone to a whole many, many years of us, um, kind of separating emotionally, but this one thing I said to him three or four years into our marriage and we had, we were in an argument and I just looked at him and I said, how can one person stay and be with the same person for a lifetime? That sounds so boring to me. Those are the words I said to him. And in that moment, he actually thought to himself, oh no, I'm going to lose her. Because that told him I was not in this for the long haul. You know, that told him I was just, and so what my husband did was not knowing it. He did not know he did this. And I didn't even realize he did this at the time, but he pulled back emotionally from me. My husband has his own story and he was already shut down. He had already had his own pain and trauma from his parents and his life. So he was already in a state of being shut down, not knowing his worth or value. And um, so in that moment, he took those words like, I just need to protect myself. So it began many years of us um, we still loved each other. We were still a good team. He was a great husband, a great father. Um, but our marriage was, it started to come apart from the inside out. Um, emotionally, we were both not there. And so over the years, I would have these little things that would happen that were big things, you know, obviously, but like I would meet a, a guy or I would, you know, talk to somebody for a while, or I would start emotional affair with somebody. And this happened two or three times. And I would grab myself and be like, Mandy, what are you doing? And I would, you know, I would come back to myself and go to my husband and say, 
I don't know why I'm feeling this way. What is going on? Why, why am I emotionally drawn to this person or what's happening? And then my husband and I would do some healing. We would talk about it. Um, we would go to our pastor. We would talk about it. Um, and so we would move along, but never did I ever get some deep, deep healing from the trauma that I had, not to mention my husband and I were coming apart emotionally. So we were not, I didn't have an emotional, you know, we talked about that with my parents. I didn't have any emotional stability. Um, Yeah. So basically what you didn't have at home, you were seeking elsewhere. Or if the opportunity presents itself uh, outside of your matrimonial or a home circle, then you would kind of uh, attach to it or hold on to it because you don't have that at home anymore. Right. Right. And I and it, it's it's the craziest thing that happens and you don't even realize that's what's going on in the moment. Cause you're just like, what is wrong with me? What is going on here? You know? Um, cause what see, you know, and where we were in the religion that we were in, um, it was really easy to hide things. It was like, you could just put on a face and put on a mask and pretend everything's perfect. And just, you wanted to look the part instead of actually being the part. So, you know, there was a lot there that, you know, we were not really getting what we truly needed, which was a in-depth, you know, some therapy, some counseling, some help, you know. Um, we didn't even know we were coming apart, honestly. And so um, we were, I guess it was, we were together 15 years, 14, 15 years, something like that. Um, we had moved to a different state. We had made a new life for ourselves. And um, we were went started going to a different church, and um, when I met a guy there that was doing music with us, and I began to, you know, my husband was also friends with him, but I began to have a private relationship with him, an emotional relationship with him, and this time it went on for a year, and my husband didn't know it, or maybe he did. He, he probably, but, but he was not even in a state of understanding what was needed for him and I, you know, he just went about life and I just went about life. It's crazy how we just go about life and we're not even seeing what's actually in our way, you know, or underneath the surface, you know? Yeah. Um, so we're going along. I start, I have this affair. Um, it did get sexual. Um, And I remember the day, it's crazy too, because I journaled every single day of that affair. And literally the journal, the journal entries went, Mandy, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You have this loving husband. You have this, these kids that are amazing. You have this family life, you know, what is going on with you? You know? And that was my journal entry pretty much every single day. Like, please help me. I don't want to lose this family that I have. I don't know what's going on with me. And, um, it was basically a cry every single day of what are you doing? And, you know, how can we make this right? Or are you going to lose everything? You know? So I remember the day that I told my husband and I, the day I told my husband, I, um, before I actually talked, it was a couple of days before I told him, 
it was actually after the sexual encounter I had with this guy. Um, I went for a run and I ran so fast. I had never run so fast in my life. And I got to an, the edge of a cliff because I thought, I've ruined everything. I've ruined, you know, my relationship. I've ruined my life. I've ruined my kids. Like, I just thought, God, I've ruined everything. And I'm such a fuck up. Like, I'm just, I'm such a messed up individual. And the world would be better off without me. And I came to an edge of a cliff. And I wanted, I don't even know if this cliff was high enough for me to, you know, kill myself, but I didn't care. I wanted to injure myself. And I, you know, I didn't do it. Something stopped me that day and I didn't do it. And I, I fully believe I've had angels with me all of my life. I really do. Who have helped me through every single thing in my life. And um, I just, I thought my life was over because I thought I would just really lose everything I loved. And not my relationships, my family, everything I had. I thought it was just done. And, um, I, but I didn't, I didn't throw myself off that cliff that day and I'm very gra- grateful that I didn't. Um, a couple of days later, is when I told my husband what happened. Um, I told him everything. And after I told him everything, um, he asked me, he just looked at me and said, what do you want to do? And I said, what? He said, what do you want to do? He's like, are you calling it quits? Are you done? Or do you want to heal and move on? Do you want me? Do you want this family? Are you, are you just done with us? Are you, are you done with this? And I said, I just looked at him straight in the face and I said, honey, I want to heal. I don't want to be this person. I don't want to be longing for the rest of my life for something to fulfill me. I want to be fulfilled. I want to know who I am. I want to love who I am. I want to love everything I have. And I want to get every, I want all of my pain and trauma and whatever this is that I've been carrying all my life I want it to be I I want it I want to feel solid and safe in my own skin my own body and that was another thing is I hated myself all my life I hated myself I picked up on my mom's self-hatred my dad's self-hatred and I hated me I hated everything about me and um he just I told him I was like I will do anything to get help I need help. I need help now. And he said, okay, well, let's do it. And I found a therapist or a counselor. I didn't want just any therapist or any counselor. I wanted someone who was going to get in my face and rip apart my life and tell me why I was doing these things. Tell me why I was longing and searching and not understanding my own essence and my worth and my value. I wanted to, I wanted the answers and I wanted to dissect them. So I had this woman in my face 
she took me down my life path. She took me down the relationship with my dad and how emotionally unstable that was. She took me down the relationship with my mom and how emotionally unstable that was. She took me down all of the trauma of the rapes that I had, of the date rape, of the, she took me down this path and I, I went in one person, I went into her office one person and I came out a completely different person. And it started a whole process of healing. And not only did my, my husband did not stop there. And I'm so, so proud of him because he went and got his own set of therapy. And he actually looked at himself in the mirror and said, how have I been a part of this? What have I done? How can I heal? And he also got his own set of healing. And that was the beginning of me and him starting to really come together and heal our relationship, heal our hearts, our traumas, our pains. And, um, and it took time. It took a long time. Even I remember two or three years later, like I didn't even know if we were going to make it because it was so in depth. It was so intense and we had to make some really hard decisions about our lives. And we went on a mission. We went homeless. We were homeless for a while because he stopped working so that we could focus all of our attention on us and our family. So we would live with some people. We were in our van some. We house sat for people. The people who knew us and trusted us and knew like knew our hearts and who we were, they were like, yes, come house it for me. And they would pay us to house it for them. Um, we went on this crazy journey for like, I don't know, years and um, peace in our lives back together. And our, during that time of being judged, of being homeless, of, of deciding not to work, but to work on ourselves and work on our lives and work on our relationship and work on our children, we got so judged for that. And um, people didn't understand. We lost a lot of friends. We lost a lot of people along the way. But I'm telling you, our family got closer and closer and closer. Our family unit, I mean, the, gir the girls in us just bonded. There was a very deep bond that happened during that time of our family. I think this is a great example of how healing is not that easy. However, when you're united and together and you all have the same vision and goal, you will break through walls and you will build new ones together. And that's like amazing and honestly, very beautiful, very beautiful. Because unless you have gone through and done the work, people judge because they didn't go through that path. They didn't go through that journey. They don't know any better. So that's why they judge, because if they did, instead of judging, they would be relating themselves to you and actually appreciating you and, and, and looking at you as like, wow, you guys should be proud of everything you're overcoming. Because from being into pieces, being shattered, you guys glued these pieces together and made yourselves stronger. Yes. And it, it took so much work and so much pain and so, but everything was so worth it. I look back on it now 
And honestly, my husband and I talk about it to this day that we would not have changed anything. Everything was so perfectly as it should have been because it brought us to the people that we are today and the love that we have and the strength that we have. And I will just go ahead and add that, you know, after all of this, I still had men in my life that would come back in my life and people that I didn't wrap cycles up with, that I had to wrap the cycle up with. And I would have a guy come in my life that I hadn't heard from in 20 years, you know, when you have that kind of a past and like different, I had different boyfriends and things and they would come back in my life and I would go to my husband and, and I would be honest with him. And this was after the affair I had. I'd be honest and I would say, hey, I don't know really what's going on right now. Trust me that I am having to wrap up some serious stuff that's still messed up inside of me. And that happened for a couple years even after, you know, and he trusted me and he said, you know what? I love you. I trust you. And just the fact that he was that stable and he trusted because he saw the work I did. He saw the blood, sweat, and tears that I poured into this, you know, and into myself. And I was not, you know, going to mess it up for anything at all, ever. And I was so open and honest with him. And so, and that was, I don't know, several years ago. And I have something today that I never have. I have the security underneath me. I have a stability underneath me. I love myself. I trust myself. Do you know how, do you know how intensely hard it is when you don't have a loving, trusting relationship with yourself? You're afraid you could just do anything, you know? And I have that now. I have this trust within that I can't even describe. But let's not forget you have all of that, but based on all of your hard work and dedication, determination. Now, the other thing is, based on your life experience and all these things, you also serve to the world in a different way, right? You, um, There's something that you're passionate uh, that you do um, to help people right absolutely like this this has birthed something so deep in me and it's made me look at everything i walk through and see the bigger picture and say oh my gosh all of these things happened so that i could heal them so that i could go through the the work and the love and the blood sweat and tears and be who i am because one of the things i'm so passionate about is heal helping other people heal people come to me now who want healing people do not call me or get in touch with me unless they want their lives to change unless they unless there's something i have had so many people come to me and say please tell me what's going on in my life i need a massive change and i will be there for them and i will help them because it is my passion my goal and my heart to see every single person to be their best, most highest versions of themselves. I do tarot readings for people too. Um, so I do both. I, okay. do, I do healing sessions if they just want healing and I do, um, or if they're just going through something in their life they need healing, I do that with them or I'll do readings for them that really are healing. Cause the tarot is just the tool to help them heal on a deeper level. And I mm-hmm. love using tarot for that. 
Now, the other thing is you also, you're working on a book, basically align with everything that we talked about, right? Yes, I am. I have been working two years on my book. Um, I have got some editing to do left, but I really want this book to be published before the first of the year. Um, but it will go into more detail about my life. If people really want to know more, there's more in there about the stories and the, the things that I went through. Um, and all, all it's there for is so that people can just know that no matter, you know, what happens to you, no matter what you walk through, no matter the pain or trauma or suffering, you don't have to live in that space. You can learn, yeah. you can have a life of learning, um, how truly the essence of you and your creation and who you are to the depths of who you are and yeah. that's basically what my book is about is it's trauma and pain it's a lot it's a it's a lot of trauma and pain but it's to see me now and to see me then is two completely different stories <laughs> um, is there a special message you would like to share with our listeners today Yes, um, if you are struggling at all, or just know that there is a love around you that you can call it whatever you call it, whether it's God, angels, your enlightened ancestors that are cheering you on, you can get through anything, anything that life throws your way. Not only get through it, but make a more beautiful story out of it by by loving yourself so much by saying I am worth this I am worth going I am worth unraveling the essence of who I am and getting to the deeper parts of who you are and why you're here like you're here for a reason you're here for a purpose your life means something just the breath that you breathe it means something when you walk into a room your essence, your spirit, your body, who you are is celebrated. And I just want every person to know that you are strong. You are, you are a beautiful creation and you are worthy of all the love in the world. That's beautiful. Mandy, I would like to thank you for sharing your inspirational story with us today. And for all the listeners out there, a big thank you. And keep tuning in for our next episode. Namaste.